G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 17 Preview Edition. And um, my voice is sounding, oh, sounding a little bit deep. Um, well, I thought, <laughs> I thought I might try and fudge it, but there's no point really. Um, I've got COVID. Uh, Jess got, uh, in fact, probably about half an hour before recording this i just received the official word that i've got COVID. so um i've joined the COVID club the big unhappy club um and uh yeah we'll uh we'll we'll soldier on and and struggle through uh as always we are brought to you proudly by palmavet get tackle busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. As uh, I say, a, a very good morning. I've had better mornings uh, to my co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shorey? Good morning, Rowan, and good morning to our uh, our listeners. Yeah, welcome to the club. It's not something to be laughed at but by any way, shape or form. We all get uh, versions of it and uh, some uh, very, very extremely serious and others like me a little bit luckier where I had two days of a very severe head cold um I went out of my body and then the last five days of my isolation period were um were were spent sitting on the couch wondering what I was doing so yeah you you don't sound too good and you've uh you know you've had some fever you told me so um that's that's at a, uh, a a level to be monitored. So I'm glad you've rung your doctor this morning, Rowan, and I'm quite serious about that. Because, oh, uh, yep, yep. No, I'm going to get uh, – I am apparently eligible for the antivirals, uh, and yeah. if anyone's wondering why, well, I do have a heart condition. I have cardiomyopathy. Um, look that up. I'm not going to go into it now. Anyway, uh, I, I feel – a little bit better now than I did in the middle of the night, to be honest. I had the I had the chills, something shocking. So uh, anyway, let's not turn this into a medical report. We've got nine games to preview, and we've got plenty of news oh, hang to on. talk. We are experts at music, uh, politics. <laughs> yeah. Why, why, why shouldn't we uh, claim um, competence in the, the area of COVID? Well, a lot of a lot of people in the media and in politics oh, try have tried to over the last couple of years. So why not? That's a good point. Um, all right, let's uh, kick off uh, and run through some new stuff on Footyology Newsfeed. Well, some pretty important uh, coaching news. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of speculation going on with the very big spectre of Alistair Clarkson hovering over several jobs, but uh, one less now, it seems, the Herald Sun, uh, credit where it's due, they are reporting exclusively this morning that Stuart Dew 
uh, is about to sign a new two-year deal to coach the Suns, and that could be announced as early as Wednesday, and that is when we are recording this. Um, he's done a pretty good job this season, Stuart Jew. They've got uh, shored up a, a big group of talent. They've had some recent re-signings, the likes of uh, Tuke Miller, Ben King, Jack Lacocious. Um We've got a pretty good support team around Stuart Jew now with Wayne Campbell as footy manager, uh, Craig Cameron, list manager, um, Ray Shaw doing the development work there and a couple of uh, highly credentialed assistant coaches in Stephen King and Brad Miller. So, um, yep, I think everyone's – I certainly thought that if – Clarkson was likely to end up anywhere. It would most likely be Gold Coast. But Stuart Dew, um, a pretty good coaching performance this year and a good performance by the Suns. Seems to have um, extended his tenure and that will now be uh, seven years it will take him up to. So, well done, Stuart Dew. What's your reaction to that? Well, well, it's uh, yeah, and we've finally seen some sunshine. Seven years is a long time. And, of course, we've gone through two years of COVID where um, because of not salary cap, it's uh, um, cost cutting, and uh, they lost some some very good support staff. So they've had to rebuild that, but that sort of coincided with the rebuilding of the team, as you uh, you so uh, accurately spoke about the re-signing of players and the confidence that players are showing in the system, and make and maybe we can say this is the first time there is semblance of stability. And that has coincided quite clearly with the reappointment of the coach for two years, despite the uh, the mist or the cloud of the fog of, uh, of uh, Alistair Clarkson being available and teaming up with his uh, old mate uh, from Hawthorne, Mark Evans. So um, I, I think the way they've played and the way they've improved and the way they've progressed, particularly in the last 18 months, is a, uh, a tick to stability. It's not about the coach, it's about the system and it's about the staff. It's from the top right through to the coaches. Uh, you've alluded to assistant coaches because they got they lost good ones in Solomon, Ramel Chesky, um, those sort of really good footy people. But but in, in the people that they've appointed, they've balanced it. And uh, I think um, under pressure, and we don't know what sort of pressures come from down this way, Rowan, you know, Clarkson was available. So yeah. they've um, they've been very strong in their support for Stuart Jew, and I'd give that appointment a tick, and it's a good tenure. It's not five years. It's not some of these player seven-year one, a good solid two-year extension. Let's see where we are in two years. I, I think the thing which might have clinched it for him too, as much as the wins, so they're up to – seven wins now, which is what they had for the whole last year. But I, I reckon as much as the wins this year, it's the resilience of that group. You know, the way that there's been – they haven't really been blown off the park. I think one game against Brisbane they got spanked, but just about every other game they've been at the very least competitive. And, you know, gee, they've been stiff for the last couple of weeks, haven't they? They've lost, you know, one by two points and, and one, one by five. five points. In fact yeah. – yeah, there's your losing margins this year for the Suns. 13 points, 26 points, 26, 25, 19, 2 and 5. The only game they've been blown away in was 52 points against the Lions. So, 
Um, but that's a pretty good indicator, isn't it, of a, a a playing group that's serious about its work. You know, they're not. We've got so used to the Suns being flaky, even when they've had good performances. You know, just as likely to turn it up the next week and get rolled by 80 points. You know, that's not happening to them now. That's got to be a good sign too, don't you think? Yeah, the 20s are comfortable losses or comfortable wins for the opposition, but they only represent one goal a quarter, Rowan. Yeah. Uh, Most of those are in the 20s. So to me, without having the facts and figures in front of me, that really equates to a competitive game of football that maybe the, the opposition been a bit better and got on top. But there's no doubt the highlight for me of their year has been um, the the sustainability of their of their brand of football, built on very strong basics of clearances, inside fifties, and contested balls. So uh, onward and upward for the next two years for Stuart Duke. Yep, no, well done, Stuart. Uh, okay, let's move on. This one got plenty of publicity when it happened, and then it sort of got overtaken by other events, but the Eric Hipwood tribunal hearing, um, he was referred directly to the tribunal for pushing his opponent, Ryan Gardner, into the umpire um, and ended up getting a $2,500 fine. The AFL, uh, in its case, called for a two-week suspension. Um, Interestingly, though, the tribunal or tribunal chairman Jeff Gleeson said that, uh, well, the quote was, viewed from certain angles, this incident looks quite troubling. However, on viewing the footage from behind the goals and hearing the evidence from Hipwood, the circumstances were very different to what they first seemed. Um, Hipwood said he'd not seen the umpire until after the collision, rejected suggestions he should have seen umpire Mollison in his peripheral vision. Uh-huh. Um, claiming he did not expect the umpire to be in the vicinity as he completed this running pattern 10, 15 times a game. I must say, I'm, I'm a bit surprised. I thought he'd get a week. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm okay with him getting fined, but I thought he'd get a week because it, it looked terrible. It really did look terrible. And it's this is coming a week after Nat Fife got away with touching an umpire or sort of, you know, very gently pushing away an umpire. Uh, I, su- I suspected that would make a bit of an example of him, but um, they're obviously being a, a bit more, I don't know, trying to be a bit more um, practical, I guess, about these sort of things. But I, I thought it looked terrible and I thought it was potentially quite dangerous. So I, he's, he's got off a bit lightly there in my view. What what do you think of this one? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not with you on this one. I'm uh, definitely, I thought that was an excellent summation by the tribunal chairman. Did you say right? Yep. Ex- excellent summation, taken all things into account, taken and, and to imply or to, that's his running pattern. He's, a, he's an up the ground running pattern. The ball is coming down the other side of the ground. And to, to have to expect him to see, at the umpire in his peripheral, he is pushing off a player to do a 45-degree run uh, from one half-board flank to the other pocket, trying to get a lead, and he's pushed the bloke. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite comfortable with it because uh, thinking of the pressure of the game, his opponent that's tagging him, they all push off. And um, the only thing is, did he was he aware that the umpire will never actually be able to prove that he did see him, 
or did not seem, but to to think that um, you have to have the capacity in your peripheral vision to see an umpire when your number one objective is to beat your opponent to the ball is 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 a hard card. You know, it's a hard one to play, and uh, I think. Um, Common sense has got this one again. Yeah, no, fair enough. I I, I understand that view. Um, it's a far cry though from geez, going back a fair way now. But I reckon it's geez, almost twenty years ago now. The Todd Curley one, when he, um, you know, guys were getting rubbed out for weeks for just even brushing against an umpire. So. I'm sort of glad we've got a, a bit more realistic about those. No, I'm glad we got away from that. Yeah, I agree with you. Yep. All right, next item, uh, the floating fixture, which uh, was much uh, enthused about by various people in the footy world, is being abandoned already. Uh, the AFL says it has listened to fans staying away from the footy. We have our lowest crowds for 26 years this year, and it will abandon the maligned floating fixture for the first 15 rounds of next season. They will lock in the first 15 rounds of next year's fixture and then come up with uh, later on another uh, seven rounds and then the final round, of course, which for a number of years now has been floated um, to accommodate finals preparation and whatever, that will stay the same. Um, the uncertainty created by the floating or rolling fixture is one of the reasons offered in fan and club surveys for the drop-off in attendances, along with, Robert, the move to digital ticketing. Uh, people want their actual physical membership cards back. So uh, uh, return to traditional values. Uh, well, we're not going to get the cardboard membership cards, uh, tickets with the, where the guy on the gate clips the little Remember them? <laughs> that, well, that was a long time. As you ago. go through the turn, oh, we can mention our the turn you go through the turnstile at Windy Hill and the and that little it was like a tram one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Click in the corner and round yeah. the edges it had rounds one to eighteen. Yeah. Uh, it was I, I, I actually think I've still got a couple there. I've got them. I've yeah, got them. Don't yeah, worry no, about that. No, they're collectors items. Uh but well anyway, no cards at all this year. You have to download an app. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, so that's annoyed people and they're going back to that. But the floating fixture is interesting because I sort of, you know, I was bought in because of COVID for obvious reasons um, and they decided to stick with it. But, uh, I mean, it's some, you know, it, it very unsupporter friendly, you know, people can't plan their trips away particularly to go and see interstate teams if they like to do that. So we'll see their sides play interstate. Um, and the thing that sort of got on my week a bit was I thought half the reason here was we could avoid having dud games on Friday evening. Well, we've had a procession of dud games on Friday evening despite the floating fixture and Thursday nights as well. So, like, for example, this week, Geelong-Melbourne, it's a cracker of a game, but Thursday night? I know it's school holidays still at the moment, but... You know, Melbourne-Brisbane was on a Thursday night. And those Thursday night games haven't been well attended either. So it's sort of... because they're trying to make Thursday night an absolute winner at the expense of Monday night football run? Which oh, was, yeah, uh, no, Monday... Point, Monday's no good? No, Monday's dead. No, don't worry about oh, Monday. No. But, I mean, and look, I think to an extent, um, you know, Thursday night football has been popular, but it's certainly more of a TV 
popular than a, a live is. audience popular. Um, and it's great for TV, and and the ratings for Geelong and Melbourne will be sensational because you and I will be an example of the football population that will be glued to that game. So Thursday night television is a winner, absolutely. Yeah, well, maybe they could, you know, get sort of less spectacular games and schedule them on Thursday night so you'd get greater TV ratings for them than you would have otherwise, but keep the big ticket items um, in slots where people might be more inclined to go, like Friday night. So, I don't know. I think just summed it up, mate. I think you've done it very well. People are creatures of habit. They love to follow their team. It's a national competition. And if you're going to spend two, three, four thousand $4,000 to follow your team, get planes, get accommodation, go to Brisbane to watch them, or hopefully, fingers crossed, in four or five years, get on the spirit of Tasmania, go to Devonport, go to Cradle Mountain, go to the Lakes District of Tasmania, go and see the, you know, it, it, it's about um, making it a an adventure, isn't it? You're just yeah. not turning up to go to a football game. You're actually planning a uh, a very special trip. You might have friends and family there. I think um, the floating future was obvious, obvious for COVID, but now we move forward and we want to provide a, a, a fan-friendly um, availability to go and watch your team play. And, and a lot of the people aren't blessed with, huge funds, Ron, they're not going to go to six interstate games, are they? So they're going to handpick in round 14, we've saved our money and we're going to go to Sydney and we're going to go to the Rocks and we're going to go to the Blue Mountains and we're going to watch um, uh, Carlton versus Sydney. So I, th- I think um, it's uh, timely, yeah, very timely. All right, yeah. uh, finish off uh, the news with, uh, well, some tragic news, really. This is very sad indeed, and it is that AFL executive Ray Gunston um, passed away suddenly on Tuesday morning after a heart attack. Uh, Ray was 64 years old, uh, s- survived by his wife Mandy, his son Jack, of course, who's been a great player for Hawthorne for a long time now, his daughter Kate and... Granddaughter Scarlett. Now, just so people not necessarily familiar with him, um, he was a key executive at the league under Gil McLaughlin, worked as the CFO, General Manager of Infrastructure, Major Projects and Investment, uh, chaired the AFL Investment Committee, oversaw non-operational investments and negotiations and the capital management and structuring of the AFL Balance sheet. Um, he was a key negotiator of the CBA with the AFL players, which is uh, absolutely crucial. And he also um, answered a very thankless call, which was to jump in as acting CEO of Essendon, Shuri, when the drug scandal broke and uh, Ian Robson had resigned as Essendon chief executive. In fact, my understanding is that... Um, a, the appointment of a certain coach uh, to replace the suspended James Hurd was the um, tipping point, which meant that he didn't stay on as CEO, um, which a lot of people would look at and think that was a shame, uh, given the way things have gone in that administrative space since then. Yeah, it's very sad, Rowan, and commiserations to the family. And, um, and uh, oh, oh. I'll go on with that little bit further. The world would be a different place today, Rowan, in the northwest suburbs of uh, 
at Melbourne if Ray Gunston was the chief executive of the Essendon Football Club. Yes, I, I concur on that. But uh, look, apart from that stuff, uh, of course, he was a, a lovely guy, uh, universally respected. Yeah. In fact, former um, State MP Gavin Jennings, uh, good Essendon man too, he tweeted uh, yesterday, he said that he thought Ray was far and away the nicest person he'd met uh, in all his involvement in politics uh, dealing with AFL people. So... Uh, he was a devoted um, parent watching Jack play, watched Jack play basically every game. Accomplished player in school. I coached, sorry, Rowan, I coached Jack play for um, the Halebury. Oh, okay. I yep. was coaching Brighton at the 10 years, you know, that's a fair while ago, longer than that. But, uh, I, you know, that's where I got to um, say hello to Ray and first met him, not through Essendon, but through school and his dedication, his devotion to his kids and his grandkids and obviously support of um, a wonderful footballer in Jack. So it's a very, very sad occasion. It is. Uh, and condolences uh, to family and friends and everyone who knew Ray. He certainly left a uh, very large legacy in terms of football administration. All right. Uh, that is enough news uh, I'm holding up thus far. So I think we can uh, take a chance and uh, start to preview a big round 17. On Footyology. Previews with Punch. All right, uh, round 17 gets underway. Hang on, Robert, you're suddenly sounding crystal clear. What Have you had some technical issues? Yeah, there? I think internet or something. I think we're right. We're up and away. Is that wow. okay? Oh, I, think we, I think we got through news, so... Um, Apologies if it sounded a little bit uh, scratchy or tinny, folk. No, but, no, uh, that, is, that is that is very dulcet tones I'm hearing now. So good, let's let's stick good. with that for the previews. All right. Uh, well, games don't come any bigger than this. I think it's fair to say potential grand final preview. It is Geelong playing Melbourne at GMHBA Stadium Thursday evening, seven twenty p.m. Palmer bet where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Oh, the betting is so tight on this game. Head-to-head, the Cats at home, a very slight favourite, paying $1.87. Melbourne, $1.93. Joel Selwood set to return uh, after being managed last weekend. Uh, That's the big one for... The Cats, Sam DeConing back. He was a late withdrawal on Saturday night. And uh, a couple of wait and sees to the Demons, Gorn and Jackson, uh, being put through fitness tests uh, later on today, as a matter of fact. So uh, some potential big ends there for both sides. How are you seeing this one? Yeah, well, I think they'll be very keen to get those two back, Max Gorn and um, young Jackson at the expense of Mitch Brown and Wiedemann, I'm seeing, uh, well, obviously what it is what it is. There's a couple of things that uh, I'd like to discuss, and that is the, the multidimensional forward line of Cameron Hawke and Stengel, and also they're going to play Dangerfield up there a lot, together with the return of Selwood. So it's, it's going to be pretty uh, interesting because the, the Melbourne back line with Petty, Lever back, May is back, and with the outstanding form of Brayshaw and Salem on the halfback flanks, uh, this is going to be a key area of the game to look at, Rowan. It's a, a fantastic game. They've, they've got a great history, those two. The Cats had won 16 of 
18 meetings against Melbourne, but uh, the Demons have won the last three all last year. They beat the Cats by 25 points at the MCG. They beat them famously after the final siren down at this same venue, uh, that goal by Max Gorn giving Melbourne top spot. And then they absolutely smash them in the preliminary final in Perth by 83 points. The Cats say their current form is pretty good. They've now won six games in a row. Um, gee, it's, I'm finding it hard to to uh, know which way to turn on this one. Melbourne having won that game last year. Although, it's worth remembering that game too. The Cats were they're about 40 points up from memory before a, a flying late comeback from the Demons uh, got them over the line. Um I did mention the the main injury news about Selwood, some others. Uh, Gary Rowan, uh, he's had illness. He's down listed as a test. Uh, Brandon Parfitt's been missing for a while. He's uh, a decent inclusion. If they can get him back, he'll have a test on his hand too. So he'd be, um, he'd be in fact, an important inclusion, I'd suggest, uh, in the midfield against Melbourne. Well, we well we discussing midfield because um, when we look at forwards versus back, someone's got to get it up there. And with the with the outstanding Petrarca's back to form, um, Oliver hasn't missed a beat, and Viney's the one that stood up. But for Geelong, what I've liked that it's um, and one of the uh, the real improving areas Geelong that it hasn't been the Selwood and Dangerfield show. You know, they've shared it between Mitch Duncan. Uh, Guthrie's uh, continued his amazing, consistent form over the last few years. And, of course, Atkins has gone into the centre. So can Guthrie and Atkins on uh, match up well against Petrarca on Oliver? Maybe, and I'm not being disrespectful, in in um, name, no, but in the, in the system and the way they play, the support from Matt, Mitch Duncan has been outstanding. Um and with Sel- Selwood is back, isn't he? He was rested last week. They get yeah. their full back, young full back, back because, uh, and that'll be good because Colodashny will be out of this side. Um, I'm, um, I'm thinking that uh, Geelong can win this, Rowan. Yeah, I've got. Uh, I'm pretty comp, not confident. How, how silly can you be when you say confident against Melbourne? Now I'm going to keep keep on the on the Geelong. I think their flexibility. And their improvement in um, relying on more of an even spread across the board uh, and this dynamic forward line uh, can get them over the line by 17 points. All right. Uh, Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think they've got a point to prove and a bit of uh, horrible vengeance to be wreaked upon their opponent after uh, the preliminary final and that uh, last home and away game last year. Um, not by 17 points. I, I reckon this will be very, very close, but I'm going for the Cats also to win this one by two points. Wow. Should be a great game. Can't wait. All right. Uh, that is Thursday evening. Let's talk about Friday up in Sydney. Friday evening at the SCG, 7.50 p.m. See Sydney taking on the Western Bulldogs. Palmavet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Has the Swans a pretty warm favourite head-to-head. They are paying $1.57. The Bulldogs paying $2.42. What's happening in terms of personnel? Uh, a test for Isaac Heaney on a corked quad. Um, 
Josh Kennedy be an interesting one. He's missed seven weeks now with a uh, bad hamstring. Uh, probably more than likely to wait another week, I think, though he's listed as a test. And that's all the injuries Sydney have to worry about. Uh, the Dogs get a boost with Tim English set to return from concussion. And uh, Ed Richards also available after concussion. Josh Bruce expected to play in the VFL uh, after a hamstring setback. That's good. Coming back off that knee in about, I think, the second last round last year. And uh, Adam Trelaw had some hamstring tightness in that game against Brisbane last week, but the Dogs are confident he will be available. Of course, still no Bailey Smith. He's available again next week. And Taylor Giray still a month away. Um, well, both these sides really disappointing last week, weren't they? The Bulldogs up in Brisbane and Sydney losing to Essendon after having led that game by 26 points. Yeah, uh, and cru- both- crucial Sorry. game for both of them. Oh, yeah, it is. Um, and, and both sides have got very good records off the top of my head of, after being stung. So um, look for excellent bounce backs by both sides. I really like to see if Ed Richards and Caleb Daniel do come back into the side. Uh, I think they're very important. Um, you mentioned English. His ruck duel with uh, with uh, Hickey is going to be absolutely crucial. They've really missed missed him, even despite the fact that Liberatore has been just a dominant player in the competition um, since... Um, returning to his, his rightful place as the contested clearance player. I'm not sure what they were doing early in the year playing as a half-forward flanker. Um, there's plenty of depth and talent on display. Look, I'm really keen on a particular area of the ground. Uh, the Western Bulldogs miss Richards and Daniel particularly, giving them that drive and dash off half-back and that setting up, whereas at the other end of the ground, um, Lloyd and Blakey, uh, they had a quiet day against us and they were dominant the week before with 39 and 31 possessions. Against Essendon, they had only had 21 and 19. So that was a really good effort by uh, the Essendon forward line to curtail that. I, I think one of the weaknesses of the Dogs is that they can be stored on once the ball gets inside 50. So for me, how they control Lloyd and Blakey on the small Sydney cricket ground uh, is going to be critical. Really good effort by you to remember those possession tellies going two weeks back too. That's a very impressive effort. Uh, Just some head-to-head stuff on these two. Uh, The Bulldogs beat Sydney by 11 points earlier this year in round three. That was, of course, at Marvel Stadium. Uh, They're 10th on the ladder, the Doggies, 8-7, but a game outside the top eight. Uh, Their record of the SCG of late is pretty handy, though. They've won three of the last four there, and a couple of them, um, big wins, including one in that uh, famous premiership year of 2016. Sydney, uh, look, you know I like them. I love watching them play, but they have really gone off the boil. They won five of their first six games. They've only won four of their last nine games, Robert. They're uh, in the red across the last nine games. So they just can't seem to find any consistency and lack a bit of um, a bit of mental... Mental fibre, Rowan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they do. I think they they just succumbed as soon as Essendon. You raised the point. I want to do touch on Kennedy. Um, I'm just looking at the radar here, Rowan. 
uh, with Sydney's weather forecast, I know grounds are a lot better than when I played in the in the bog of uh, Centre Squares. Seventy percent rain tomorrow, twenty percent Friday, fifty percent. So the rain continues to fall, and it's falling as we talk now. So I think your tip, even though it's been nearly two months, maybe they leave out the younger forward, McDonald and compensate for the weather with um, Josh Kennedy coming back into the side. So that's a watch and see. All right. Good call. Uh, what's your tip? Uh, Sydney to bounce back by 11 points. 11 points. I'm also going for the Swans. I think their bounce back credentials are pretty well known. Uh, I'm going to go for the Swans by 10 points. All right. That is Thursday and Friday night football. Let's talk about Saturday. First game on the Saturday card is at 1.45pm at the MCG. It is Collingwood versus North Melbourne. Palmerbeck gives you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Uh, two pretty disparate prices for these two teams, not surprisingly. The Pies paying a uh, not overly lucrative $1.02. Uh, North Melbourne, well, $14.40 the Roos are paying Head to head. Uh, what's happening on the availability front? Well, uh, a lot of anxiety in the Collingwood camp over Darcy Moore and whether he'd done the big ACL injury last uh, Saturday night against Gold Coast. But best possible outcome, he was cleared of a tear and any structural damage and actually is, you'd think, an outside chance uh, to even play this week. Um, Jeremy Howe, he'll return. He missed last week's game with illness. Uh, and a bit longer-term news, Brody Grundy, remember him? Uh, he's about a fortnight away. He hasn't played since Anzac Day. Uh, North Melbourne, well, they've had the year from hell and it certainly hasn't been helped by injuries and they copped another couple last week. Aaron Hall, uh, quad injury. He's going to be missing for a couple at least. Kane Turner got a very nasty concussion. He will miss this week as well. Uh, they will, however, get a couple of big inclusions this week. Captain Jack Zebel returns from a nasty facial injury and Jason Horn francis will be back from suspension. But, well, you don't want to be cruel. We say it every week. But, again, this is a game which could get pretty ugly, Robert. And the and the disappointing thing that it's um, the the environment at the club has raised it. We, we'd love to talk about football, but unfortunately, there's uh, the biggest stories are off the field with Jeff Walsh and now the Cotter groups calling for the resignation of staff. So that's unfortunate because we would prefer to talk about football. So we will. Uh, it is ironic, Rowan. There's a um, in the last couple of weeks, uh, Noble has been criticised uh, um, or. A, an observant criti criticism about his move of Mackay to full forward when um, leaving uh, other defenders to pick up the likes of uh, Hawkins and um, and Jeremy Cameron. But strange as it seems, they could half get away with it this week because Darcy Moore's not there. So I think um, I don't think it'll happen, but if you wanted to try and stretch the Collingwood uh, defence and you thought you could get enough of the footy, there is a, is a reasonable consideration to push Mackay back to full forward this week. I hope it doesn't happen because, as I've said time and time again, uh, 
whether it's too late or the horses bolted, um, uh, building this young North Melbourne side from the back line was critical, and and <clears throat> and moving Mackay was um, uh, very disruptive to the balance of the team. Uh, just some evidence of how these two teams are in very different directions in terms of form. Uh, the Pies have now won six games in a row, um, and they've been gritty wins too. Three of the last four wins have been by 11 points or less. North Melbourne, in stark contrast, they've now lost 13 games in a row. The average margin of defeat in the last 11 of those is 59 points. I looked up because we keep seeing references to Fitzroy in 1996. I went through their games and worked out what their average losing margin was that season. It was 72 points. So it's a little bit more still than North. Um, they had four losses of 100 points and more that season, the Roys. Uh, the Roos so far have had two. But I dare I suggest, um, I reckon if they copped another 100-point-plus loss in succession, the you-know-what will definitely hit the fan. Oh, I think it's already hit the fan and... and <clears throat> He was quiet last week, but uh, uh, in in um, horse parlance or racing parlance, Dugowie definitely needed the run. So I'm not sure who's got who has the capability of holding him if he decides that he's going to turn it on the MCG. Um, and of course, what's going to stand the pies in good stead against any sort of opposition is the roles of Pendlebury um, side bottom. They've just had their roles adjusted. You know, and it's really good allowing other players, a little bit like Geelong, to take more responsibility. Uh, they probably will get Jeremy Howe back, so that's a big compensation for the the loss of more. That'll be one for one, I would imagine. So the balance of that very impressive um, uh, back line remains intact. They've lost two key players, two important players to Noble's game plan, the tagger in Turner and, of course, the run from Hall. Um He's really got to put. Uh, I mentioned. I, I was staggered at the press conference where he said maybe Horn Francis comes back through the VFL. Um, I think his responsibility as coach is to develop that player as a senior player and to play him in the seniors. And um, I'm not sure what any value that would be. Give us your tip, uh, Collingwood. Did you say average losing margin fifty nine? I think yeah. the Pies coming back from a solid. Workout up at the Gold Coast takes a bit out of them, so I'm going for the average. I'm going for Collingwood by 59. I'm going for Collingwood by 60. Great minds. <laughs> Great minds. All right. Uh, that is the first game on Saturday. Let's go up to the Gold Coast where Collingwood just came from. Metricon Stadium, 4.35pm Saturday afternoon. Gold Coast taking on Richmond. You can get tackle-busting benefits all this season thanks to Palmavet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Very tight betting in this. In fact, this is the tightest round of betting all season. Head-to-head, Gold Coast are paying $1.93. Richmond, however, is a very marginal favourite. The Tigers paying $1.87. Uh, Richmond are seven and four against Gold Coast. They've lost three of the first four games. Remember, of course, the famous post-siren goal by Carmichael Hunt in Cairns in 2012. 
Uh, they won the next six clashes with the Suns, though, until round 16 last year when Gold Coast beat them at Marvel. Um, Richmond have won seven of their last nine games now, and the two losses have been by only six points and three points. So they've been very solid indeed. Injuries, well, they've still got some decent players out. Bolter, another couple of weeks away. Uh, Dusty Martin's going to miss at least this week with a small hamstring strain, it is described as. Uh, Cochin, uh, probably still another couple of weeks away with a shoulder injury. Uh, Prestia should be available after having concussion the other week. Um, yeah, that's it for them. And Gold Coast, uh, shocking luck. Uh, that is Connor Butterick uh, doing his knee for a second time in the space of 16 months, unfortunately. Um so, yeah, terrible news for him. And he joins another season-long uh, casualty in Ben King. How do you see this one, Robert? Uh, just a question without notice. I, I read a surveys going on Twitter, uh, the recruit of the year. Rowan, can you qualify what, in your opinion, the recruit is? Is that the likes of, of and I want to speak about him now, that's why I'm talking about it, Mabior Chol has been outstanding. Is he the recruiter of the year or Will Brody? Or do you look at a bloke like um, Nick Martin at Essendon or drafted? Is there categories of recruits of the year? What What is a recruit, Rowan, in well, your opinion? Sorry. Well, there's two different sorts, isn't there? There's yeah. guys recruited from the out of the draft and via the junior system, and then there's guys that come from other clubs. So... Are they talking about other clubs, are I th- they? I, th- I think I, they are. I, I think that's what it's come to mean. But, yeah, it needs to be more clearly defined, I think. Thanks, officially. and that's why I asked it, because I had Mabio Chol. He's been sensational, and he's going to be very important for them. I think Joel Kasbolt and and uh, the the dynamic Rankine are going to be really important, particularly with no Bolter and no Vloston for the Tigers. Uh, an issue for me, or not an issue, a positive for me is that despite the fact that the Suns had a very gruelling game and two uh, in the last two games, particularly last week in those conditions, they've lost two tight games, uh, they have stayed at home and it's allowed them to recover and I think they'll be in cherry ripe condition to meet Richmond. They've got Collins versus Lynch, um, Ballard versus uh, Rewalt are going to be critical matches. But then we look in the midfield with Anderson, Rowell and Miller against a Martin and Cochin-less um, midfield for the Tigers. It's going to be very, very important that Bolton has an excellent game in the midfield and Rioli continues his uh, his excellent form. I'm, I've definitely got a leading to the Suns here for the for the reasons I've given. There's a few significant outs of Richmond that uh, play very, very important roles. So, um, But I'm just saying that they've had some good news with their coach. They've had a good week on the track up there despite the weather and they haven't had to travel back-to-back games at their stadium. I think they'll meet Richmond, they'll be ready for them and I'm going to tip the Suns to have a, a win here by 11 points. Well, I differ with you on this one. Uh, For me, this one, the difference here is uh, about motivation because the Suns are basically just about kaput, I think. I mean, look, statistically, there's still a chance, but they're two games out of the eight. There's seven games left. I don't think as a rule you make up that sort of difference. Uh, And the Tigers, well, they're only in the eight on percentage. They have to keep winning. 
and I think they will. I think they're playing some pretty solid footy, starting to really look a lot more like the Richmond we've come to know and fear over the last few years. So uh, I don't think it'll be easy for them, but uh, I think, uh, well, certainly don't think it'll be easy. I'm going for a single digit margin. I'm going for the Tigers to win this one by six points. All right, let's move on. Well, these two teams have had an interesting history. Siren Gate, whisper, whispers in the sky, uh, you name it, St Kilda and Fremantle, and they go at it again Saturday evening at Marvel Stadium, 7.25pm. You get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, Robert, thanks to Palmavet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And this, I'm pretty sure this is the first time all season we have in Peter Landy parlance Two sides quoted at the same price, each of two, St Kilda and Fremantle, both paying head-to-head $1.92. They're hard to split, these two teams. Their last six games have uh, been won three and three, 50% each. Four of the last five games between these two sides have been decided by 10 points or less. Fremantle at Marvel Stadium, not good. They've lost eight of their last 10 games there, including recently, a fortnight ago to Carlton. St Kilda this year at Marvel, their home ground are five and two. So, uh, well, back in town, uh, the Saints, it would appear. Um, they've got some injury issues, eh? Hunter Clark, he's had a nightmare run on the injury <clears throat> front. Um, he broke his nose late in that game and spent the night in hospital. Uh, will he play? I think doubtful. Uh, Dougal Howard was substituted out of the game after injuring a knee and he's had an arthroscopy. Uh, Dan Hannabury, the forgotten man, he's a chance to return via the VFL this weekend. Fremantle, uh, Matt Tabiner, uh hamstring injury. Looks a bit less serious than first feared, but you'd think less likely uh, a week after doing it. Josh Tracy, he's recovered rapidly from an ankle injury. He could still be in the mix. And uh, Heath Chapman, who's uh, been on the sidelines for six weeks, he should be right to return at either AFL or Waffle level this weekend. Uh, Big game for both these sides. Fremantle, if it wants to maintain top four aspirations, St Kilda, if it wants to uh, fight its way into that top eight, Rob. Well, yes, and um, like Tabner's hamstrings concerning to me because his partnership with Lobb, who was in outstanding form kicking five goals, just um, just uh, minimises the advantage that uh, Fremantle had there because I think Wilkie, despite the loss of uh, Dougal Howard, I think Wilkie would be a good match-up for Lobb and he will do that job uh, responsibly. I, I think there's too much depth uh, going through the midfield, Sarong, Fife, Brayshaw, Brody, Mundy. They get it done for me, particularly uh, at home. And um, and the improvement, uh, we spoke about the um, emergence of recruits. Uh, none more, none better, I suppose, than Will Brody in the centre, together with the uh, Jordan Clark from Geelong, who's starting to show um, why, why Geelong really were a little bit miffed or disappointed that he came to Fremantle. That was probably his best game for them last week, I would suggest. Uh, coming off a wing, 
sort of venturing from a wing back to halfback. He's a classy player. His first season at Geelong was very good. He never seemed to sort of recapture that form. But, um, yeah, you're right. They they were miffed, and you're right. Uh, we can see why now. Look, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I put too much stock in venues, but I worry about Freo at this ground, and that was the basis on which I tipped Carlton a couple of weeks ago against mm-hmm. them, and I got that right. And the other thing is St Kilda, look, it was a shocking three weeks, no question about that. But that was a really good win against the Blues last week. And I think they've recaptured that sort of tougher uh, side of themselves that had been on display until those three losses in a row. I think they're good enough to win this one. Let's yeah, get look, your Fremant, Yeah, Fremantle are fourth, eight points in, and have got a plus 15%. Um, St Kilda's in the... In the um, St Kilda, like a lot of these teams, Rowan, you mentioned Richmond. Uh, there's so many must-wins games in this round. This is a an, an outs, a, a nightmare for the tipsters these rounds because there's so many teams playing for sheep stations. And was, you made a good point. It's a real test for Fremantle. Um, they demolished Essendon at um, Marvel, but St Kilda are a different kettle of fish, particularly with Ryder back into that side and also Brad Hill playing against his previous side. Look, I'm still going with Fremantle. I think they've got the depth, um, despite the fact that it's in the category of must-win for St Kilda. Um, Concerning that Tabiner is out, look, I'm making excuses to pick St Kilda. I I just think there's so many role players at Fremantle that have done so well, the likes of Aish, the likes of Schiltz, uh, Michael Walters back into the side. Fredericks is back into the side. I just like this team a lot, and I think they can get over the Saints and prove. Well, they have to at Marvel and win by uh, win by uh, nine points. I'm going for St Kilda by four points. Some very tight margins in this round, we believe. All right, let's head to Adelaide Oval on Saturday evening. Port Adelaide takes on Greater Western Sydney, 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time at Adelaide Oval. Palmer Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have Port Adelaide as a pretty comfortable favourite head-to-head. The power paying $1.38. GWS paying $3.09. Well, again, the history between these two sides, pretty equal, uh, six each in their 12 uh, meetings so far. Uh, GWS, um, six and seven at Adelaide Oval. Uh, They are three and three under Mark McVeigh. Worth noting, though, the three wins are against West Coast, North Melbourne and Hawthorne, not exactly top-notch opposition. Um, Give us your initial thoughts on this and I'll come back to personnel. Yeah, a couple of uh, initial observations. Uh, the game was turned on its head with Nick's, uh, with Dixon going into the ruck, wasn't it? You said one of the most extraordinary minutes of football. Um, with with Marshall and Georgiades playing very well uh, down there, I think this could become uh, a look see for the for the uh, for for Port Adelaide to keep him going in there and to maybe develop. A more flexible forward line through the two young kids. 
and and then you've got the rotations going through there of the likes of Rosie and Pal Pepper, who are not only doing a good job on ball, but also can be quite constructive up, up forward line. Um, what I liked about the GWS in the conditions, I thought Hogan's game was a game of great maturity and um, purpose. He put his body in front. He was able to mark the ball in the conditions. And I think his matchup with Jonas is going to be very, very important, as is the Taylor and Haynes versus Georgiadis and Marshall. How they use Himmelberg, gee, what, what a what a performance. He like a somewhat inconsistent forward to centre-half back. They use him in the ruck. He's become an immensely versatile player. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing how they're going to use him uh, due to his importance. Toby Green had a quiet one um, last week. He was, uh, he was well held, and I think he'll be setting himself to you know, have, have a great day in this game. And he's more than capable of doing it. I think they've got Taranto, Kelly, Green, Whitfield, Coniglio, Toby Green. Um, I, I don't mind the giant side. I thought it was a pretty professional one. Port, once again, find themselves in the category of must win. Um, but I don't see it like that, Ron. How do you see it? Well, I mean, I, I do see it as must win. I mean, they're on seven wins alongside the Suns. And like I said with the Suns, I don't think they'll make it. I don't think you make up two games with only seven left in a queue of contenders ahead of you. But, uh, you know, mathematically, there's still a chance. They simply need to keep winning. Look, that was a um, that was a, a, a ripping game of footy against Fremantle. Yeah. And uh, I, I knew they'd – I was pretty confident they'd give it a decent notch uh, nudge. I, I wasn't that confident enough to actually tip them, but they nearly pulled it out of the fire. It was a big last quarter. Um, I reckon they can make a bit of a statement here. I reckon they'll probably be in a mood to sort of at home uh, make short work of an opposition and say, you know, look, we might not make it, but we're um, – we're going to be the, uh, the best side outside the eight. Uh, little consolation, though, that is. But maybe they can still make it if they keep winning and a few in front of them fall over and they do a Stephen Bradbury. So, Well, they're remarkably inconsistent. I think they kicked the last, uh, the first three goals and then that burst the last. In between, they were beaten by about 10 goals by Fremantle Rowan. Mm. So you, you're... You're quite rightly pointing out the value of home ground. The opposition, I think, are better than what you're giving them credit for. I think it's uh, – and and the odds are over $3, did you say, for GWS? Uh, I don't see it that way. GWS, $3.09, yep. Yeah. I think um, I think the point about GWS beating um, two of the bottom sides, well, the, the two bottom sides, plus the uh, the young, inconsistent Hawthorne side, is also a spur. They will be wanting to get a a um, a scalp here. Uh, I've got a gut feeling for for um, a GWS. I think they'll get Proust back. They'll put him back in the ruck, so they'll be physically stronger. And I think another close game. And I, I I'm tipping an upset with GWS winning by uh, seven points. Okay, yeah, we differ on this one. I'm going for Port Adelaide and uh, I'm going for Port Adelaide by no, not the biggest margin of the round, uh, 22 points I'm going You're for. You're right, mate. You can actually, just to inter, um, interject there, um, 
It is a game that you can see, Port, if they continue on with that form, they can have a big day, can't you? Yeah. You can actually see that yeah. and that's what you're banking on, And but I'm not. Well, <laughs> time will tell. Yep. Uh, all right, that is Saturday. Let's talk about Sunday. We're up at the Gabba, 1.10pm Sunday afternoon, and that sees Brisbane taking on Essendon. Palmer Bet offered tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, and uh, they have the Lions, not surprisingly, very comfortable favourites head-to-head. Brisbane offering $1.19. Essendon, you can get $4.80 on the Bombers to win this one at the Gabba. Uh, Essendon at the Gabba, not a great record, 8-14. and 14. They've lost their last four there, and they haven't won at the ground since 2018. Uh, Brisbane have been very, uh, since a really strong start to the season, they've been quite erratic over the last couple of months. In fact, their last seven games now, Robert, they have gone win-loss, 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 win. Essendon's form, uh, to be fair to, in the last three weeks, vastly improved. Two of the last three they've won, and both against top eight teams, or then top eight teams, in St Kilda and Sydney. Your initial thoughts, please, on this one. Well, what Essendon's going to turn up? They've got a – we've spoken about it, Rowan, um, in somewhat condescending terms because um, after their first win, the next week they lost to Fremantle by 48 – they then beat the Hawks with that eight-goal burst. The next week, they lost to Sydney by 58. Then they beat a top-eight side in St Kilda, only to travel and lose to West Coast. Last week, they beat Sydney, so the pattern should emerge, especially going to the Gabba against a very good side, that they um, they should be soundly beaten. I don't actually see it that way. If I wanted two players out of the Brisbane side, I've got exactly what I wanted. Daniel Rich and Zorko dine out. Now, you might say, hang on, Neil's got four by three Brownlow votes the last four times they've met. Yeah, I, I can see that. I understand that. But in terms of what really hurts Essendon, it's been Daniel Rich's left foot and the explosive run of Zorko. If I'm an Essendon uh, planner, I'm delighted they're out of their side because I can now finally turn the attention to Lockie Neal, who surely is not going to go for 15 Brownlow votes in the last five games against Essendon. That's got to stop. And I think given Essendon's confidence and the possibility of McGrath and Perkins coming back into that side, I give them an outside chance. Yes. Uh, no, well-reasoned. I don't think you're going to see Perkins. I'm, I'm told okay. he's at least a week, perhaps still two weeks away with that calf injury. Andy McGrath uh, is certain to return. Um, that will be a very welcome return indeed. Just by the by, Michael Hurley apparently progressing well and closing in on a return via the VFL. I'd be amazed if he even got out there, really. It's sort of like the stays wide bother. But anyway, uh, longer-term injury news there for the Bombers. McGrath, obviously, a crucial Addition. I mean, if they're going to have any hope of matching it numerically, let alone in terms of quality with Brisbane's midfield, you need McGrath back there. Um, and you're right, Rich and Zorko, they're both, uh, apparently both hamstring injuries on the minor side, but still at least a week. That's about all for injuries there. Though. Oh, Darcy Gardner had that uh, 
one issue and he's probably still a couple of weeks away. Uh, it was sort of like restoring normal transmission for the Lions on their own patch last week against the Western Bulldogs. Look, it is the Gabatoir again. It is a real fortress of a venue. I don't think Essendon play well there. I don't think Essendon travel that well as a rule. And I think that's a very good point about their immaturity, let's say, uh, their repeated failure to back up a good performance with a second one. Um, too important for Brisbane to drop games like this. They need to keep winning to be in a position of strength and to keep the possibility open of having two home finals. I think that's as important for them as it is for, say, Fremantle getting two home finals. Brisbane have to keep winning. Uh, they will win, and I think they'll win pretty well. I'm going for Brisbane to win this one by 32 points. What say you? It's important. I think McGrath's got to play half back on Charlie Cameron. He could dominate this game together with Bailey and uh, McCarthy and those medium mobile forwards. Finally, the last good point about Essendon was last week. They beat a very good side, a very um, seasoned professional finals team. Uh, Zach Merritt had 24 touches and Darcy Parrish 21. So maybe the wheel has turned where these two players were regularly getting 40, 39, 38, and Essendon were getting done by seven or eight goals. Maybe something that I haven't Maybe just a, a subtle change of responsibilities, giving more responsibility in the midfield to other players, um, has has seen a, a greater spread of depth through the midfield, Rowan. They're, they're extraordinary figures, and then to win with those figures for those two. Give us a tip. Um, I'm going for the Brisbane Lions by uh, 19 points. All right. Uh, as I said before, Brisbane by 32 points for me. Oh, yeah. I've given the Sydney weather forecast. What's the Brisbane one, Ron? Well, I don't I'll have go. it handy. I'll I know. Go. I'm only joking. Come on. I'm only joking. I'll go to I can look at weather wall. I'm sick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, do, don't, don't make us hang on. You look it up while we move No, on. keep going. Keep talking. All keep right. talking. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the second game on the Sunday card. 3.20 Sunday afternoon, Marvel Stadium, Hawthorne taking on Adelaide. Palmerbet offers you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Hawthorne, pretty comfortable favourite, perhaps surprisingly short. $1.54 head-to-head. Adelaide, perhaps surprisingly long, $2.50. Personnel, James Warple might not play again this season for the Hawks after suffering a potential season-ending Shoulder injury against GWS. Will have surgery. Uh, club will wait and see if he needs it immediately or it can wait until the end of the season, allowing him to squeeze a few more games out. Uh, Wingard won't play either. He injured a hammy at training late last week. Ben McAvoy edging closer to a return uh, from that neck injury. He's missed the entire season with that. Uh, Adelaide, a nagging hip injury will put Rochelle on the sidelines this week at least. Uh, Shane McAdam, he's ready to return from an ankle injury. Uh, Luke Brown had uh, some knee soreness after the Crows Sandville win. He'll be tested later this week. Of course, their long-term as Paul Seedsman concussion. That's been all year, unfortunately. 
and Rory Sloan, of course, the big knee for him. Uh, Adelaide, pretty impressive against Melbourne. In fact, they were within a kick about midway through that last quarter. That would give them plenty of hope about winning this one, you'd think. Oh, absolutely. I think they've got the forward line. Uh, Walker, Fogarty, Thilthorpe's back in there as a, a three, three-man um, a prong up forward. Laird's having a great year. And, of course, Dawson and Smith off half-back with their ball use and run have been very good. Um, it's inconsistent teams here, Rowan, but capable of playing good football. And, actually, this could be a good game. Unfortunately, it will be sadly clouded by the loss of Ray Gunston and um, I guess that brings into play uh, Jack Gunston's availability. Um, gut feeling, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not hoping. What's the word, Rowan? I think Jack will play. Mm. I think Ray would want Jack to play. Mm. He'd be insistent Jack would play. And while so it depends on his own strength of mind and how the loss of his dad has affected him. I'm not ruling out Jack playing and this being a, a tremendously emotional game for for not only the Gunston family but for Hawthorne. But on the other hand, mate, it could be just too much. So I'll leave that out. I'll, I'll, I'll base my thoughts on the consistency of the Crows. I think they're more consistent. I like what Hardwick did last week on Toby Green. So McAdam's a good young player, so that'll be a good match up there. And I think um, uh, Scrimshaw, uh, Giath and Scrimshaw have got critical games here to play, uh, particularly at Marvel with their rebound. I think Hawthorne can get the footy with Newcomb. It's going to be very interesting to see. He started Toby Mitchell on the ball last week. And, of course, on the other side of the scale, uh, Crouch is still in the sample despite having 42 possessions. I'm, I'm leaning towards Adelaide. I think their form's better. I think they're more consistent. Um, I can't take into account, I can't read the play with the emotion of this week and the effect that that can happen. So all we can do is just talk about the two teams and try and remove that. No Warple, um, who was coming back to a little bit of form from his best and fairest year, although he's had a disappointing year. I'm, I'm, I'm over the Crows with this one. I'm all over the Crows this one. I think they play reasonable football, although the record's not great. I think they play okay at Marvel Stadium and they're going to win this game by uh, 13 points, Rowan. 13 points. Okay. Uh, well, their record at Marvel Stadium, they've lost four of the last five they've played there. Oh, right. Um, they've lost two this year against Essendon. That was only by a kick, though, and against Carlton. Uh, I do agree with you. I think their recent form has been better. They had a pretty hideous patch there where they lost, what was it, I think five in a row. But they've gone 2-2 over the last month. The wins, not eh, West Coast and North Melbourne. You know, it's not exactly quality opposition. But pushing Melbourne last week was a good one. It's funny that record at uh, Marvel Stadium because my impression of them is that they tend to play better yeah. than not there. Well, that's um, what I went with. An impression. And Hawthorne also, we keep saying this, but, you know, look, they've had some reasonable performances. However, the bottom line is they've lost nine of their last 10 games. Uh, and I think Warple is a considerable loss, I agree. So I am also going for Adelaide. Uh, my margin is eight 
points, which brings us to the final game of round 17. Final game of the weekend is in Perth at Optus Stadium, 4.40pm Eastern Standard Time. It pits West Coast against Carlton. Palmer bet offer you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And uh, they have got... Sorry, I'm just... Oh, my throat's starting to give out. Oh, this is a hey, Rob. I'm not trying to solicit praise here, but this has been a Trojan-like performance. Oh, by me. Listen, under listen. duress, I reckon. <laughs> uh, Carlton, a pretty warm favourite for this one, a dollar thirty-six. West Coast paying three dollars eighteen. Uh, one thing which wouldn't inspire Carlton with too much confidence: they've lost their last seven games against West Coast. Their last win against the Eagles was back in 2014 at Subiaco. And I decided to delve into the history books and see what was notable about that game. There is not a single player who played in that Carlton team left at the club. Is that surprising, you think, eight years? Oh, my word it is, because you would assume that uh, there was a few 18-year-olds drafted that year which would put them in their, their mid-20s. That's well, uh, that's an extraordinary stat, that. Well, how's this for a contrast? How many uh, of West Coast side that day do you think are still at their club? 15. Nine. Righto. There's a big difference, though. Uh, anyway, Carlton at Optus Stadium have won two and lost four. They have, however, only played West Coast there once. Um, some injury news. Uh, Dom Sheed's season is over. He experienced some shin soreness after his uh, comeback in round 14, and it's a stress-related lower leg injury. He's out for the rest of the year. They're still holding out some hope. McGovern might be able to play again this season. Won't be this week, though. And uh, Elliot Yo, a bad hamstring last week. He may or may not play against again this season. You almost think, why bother, really? Uh, Carlton, they've had a long injury list all season as well. Uh, Jacob Wiedering should be available, which is good. Uh, Fogarty and Owies also likely to return. Jack Martin faces a fitness test. Veteran Ed Curdo and young... Corey Durden should be okay, may come back through the VFL though. And McGovern and Pittnet, both out for a long time, should make their comebacks within the next fortnight. Uh, well, it's been a vastly different West Coast the past couple of weeks or past few weeks. Have Carlton got much to worry about here, Robert? Oh, don't, uh, most definitely, Rowan. And um, could it be on the back of uh, Nick Natanui? And also the improved form, uh, the probably his best form by uh, Tim Kelly for his new club after coming from um, from Geelong. I thought it was his best game. They ran the Tigers very close. Um, they're certainly going to miss um, Sheed and also the um, the incredible rebound capacity of uh, Elliot Yo off half back. Uh, Rioli and Ryan are going to. They're linking up in the forward half again. That, that's been really badly missing and they're going to cause some issues um, because they're meeting a Carlton team that's going to be really tested for mental toughness. Last week, Carlton were outworked, more aggression from St Kilda and some really lazy goal kicking and uh, round-the-ground kicking from the Carlton 
team. Wietering's going to be important. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking that um, Barras, without, without McGovern, Barras has got a, a tremendous job to do and Mackay close to goal. Interesting to see if Carlton bring Ed Kerno back to balance or add to their midfield versatility. Uh, this will be, I will classify this as a very, very good win by the Carlton club um, if they can get over here. I'm not writing West Coast off in any way, shape or form. Uh, what do you reckon, Mark? No, they're a very different proposition. I mean, they proved that against um, Essendon, didn't they? And uh, look, I thought they were reasonable for large patches of that game against uh, Richmond last week as well. So um, they've certainly got the the spring in their step back. I guess the question you ask is, you know, why is it taking them so long? Yeah, obviously personnel's, well, personnel's most of it, but it's not all of it. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if a few of those older guys sort of see the writing on the wall and think, geez, I need a few big individual games here to uh, to make sure I actually keep my spot on the list. Um, although, you know, the likes of Nick Nat, I don't think he's got too many concerns, but uh, there's a few others. Uh, gee, they're going to be making some big calls on careers uh, in a couple of months. So uh, a few of those guys certainly need to make every post a winner. Yeah, I think Carlton will have to work really hard for this. I'm going for the Blues by 16 points. One of the strengths of Carlton has been Owies, Durden, Martin. They've all lost that consistent inconsistency through injury, unavailability, form. So that really important, and it's only left Fisher there who just recently signed a two-year contract. So good luck to him. I just think they've got to get that phase of their forward line back in operation. Um, big challenge, Blues by seven points. Ooh, another tight one. Well, some narrow margins yeah. between us. And uh, just quickly, we've tipped two, three. Yeah, we're different on three games, so it's not too bad. I am, comf- I am comfortably ahead of you, it needs to be said, though. Allow me, uh, allow me a small moment of gloating in my, uh, in my tortured physical state. At the, the, ultra curve, the ultra conservative Connolly yeah, yeah. leads from the front. It's about the only thing I'm conservative in is tipping, but there you go. All right, that is round Take 17. Take care, mate. Take care. Look okay, after yourself. Don't try and wrap it up before I do all oh. the sign-offs. I say this every week. <laughs> all right. We are here as ever for Palmerbet. You get tackle-busting benefits thanks to Palmerbet all AFL season. Always remember to... Gamble responsibly. You can support us via the ACAST supporter page on whatever platform you listen to the Footyology podcast. Actually, this this sort of uh, deeper, more resonant tone of mine is growing on me. I'm starting to sound like Paul Robeson, that famous uh, American singer. I was going to say born under a wandering star. I was going to say John um, uh, John Arlett. John Arlott. Yeah, well, I can't do the English accent, but I'm quite enjoying this now. I, know I wouldn't recommend it as a way of getting a, um, a, a radio-type voice. So, uh, and you, and accuse me, you accuse me of distracting from the sign-off. I've listened no, to you. No, no, this is rubbish. Uh, you can also become an official Footyology patron via the many links on the Footyology website, footyology.com.au. The focus always on quality, not clickbait. Uh, Thanks for your support, everyone. 
hopefully I won't expire before we um, come up with the next one in which we review round 17. That will be on Sunday evening. And uh, I'll chat to you then, Mr. Shaw. See ya.